As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So I'm only going to record this once, and then I'm going to add it to every show going forward. Well, going forward for a few months, at least, because I'm doing a contest. A contest. Why? Well, I want to get more listeners, and sometimes you have to bribe people to do that. And I'm going to bribe with a prize. We'll get to the prize in a minute. Anyway, I started this show on September 9th of 2020. So... During my 52nd episode, which will be around that time in 2021, I'm going to do a drawing. How do you get in? Well, you got to write a review of this podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. That means you can write it on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find it, because it's everywhere, right? Even Audible. And what you got to do is you can send me a link to that review along with the uh, text and your name. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put that review or your name in a little hopper you know a little hopper you know one of those things you turn around that you see at the bingo game where grandma goes yeah that thing i'm gonna put it in one of those things a metaphorical one because i don't really have one it's impractical to own a hopper like that it really doesn't make any sense to own one but it's a metaphorical hopper but that's besides the point okay so you're going to be entered into the hopper whenever you send me a link to a review that you do so there's no limit to that if you want to review it in multiple places do that and you get your name in the drawing for every one of those reviews yeah you can, and the other thing is uh you could share the show yeah you could just tell your friends tell your mom tell your grandma you know anybody don't tell your grandpa because grandpas don't really know what podcasts are at least older grandpas I, I've, I've discovered that there's people my age that are grandpas now and they probably know what podcasts are but there's not many of us in my age group that are grandpas but you can tell them I guess if your grandpa's cool you can tell them about this podcast so if you tell them and they uh, and they uh, let me know by being a new listener they can send me an email at the address which I'll mention later on and you can tell me who told them about the show and I'll enter both your names into the hopper yeah so there's no limit to the number of times you can enter and the more people you refer and the more reviews that you post the better your chances are to win the prize questions going to be directed along with your links and all that other stuff to peaceloveandrobotspod at gmail.com that's peaceloveandrobotspod at gmail.com and uh you know you can send me direction questions too yeah There are restrictions. Of course, mostly if you don't live in the U.S., you can't enter in the prize. Well, 
the prize. It's going to be a $50 gift card to Amazon. Buy whatever you want. So, yeah, get out there, review the show, share the show. Let me know how you do. And uh, we'll get some names in there. It's going to be fun. Welcome to Peace, Love, and Robots, a podcast about anything and everything and all that is in between. This is episode number 34 for April number 28th, April number 28th, April 28th, 2021. And I'm your host, Jeremy, as always. Yeah, it's almost May. Yeah, almost May. Last week we had snow here in my neck of the woods, and today it was almost 80 degrees outside. Yeah, that's what the weather is like around these parts. Who knows what May will bring? It could bring flowers and the promise of summer. Which is right around the corner. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? I don't. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the ads you hear at the beginning and the end of the show. So if you listen all the way through, I'll forever be in your debt. You know, I'd love to get a sponsor that makes stuff that I use. You know? Uh, today, I, okay, first, a little background, you know, I've been losing, I'm trying to lose a little weight, so I cut out the soda, like, all soda, including diet soda, I don't drink any fizzy drinks, except for maybe a can of Fresca once in a while, or, uh, or, uh, you know, a sparkling water drink, you know, not, not a lot of, uh, uh, soda, so I drink a lot of water, you know, and bottled water is, uh, usually my go-to, smart water, if you, uh, uh, if you must uh, know, I, I like smart water, not for the label. It actually doesn't taste like the bottle, which is uh, pretty much why I drink smart water. Uh, but, you know, I tried this thing. I saw an ad for it on Facebook. I didn't buy through the ad on Facebook because who does that? Uh, and it was for a canned water. Yeah, a can of water. It it didn't make any sense to me either, but I saw it in the local convenience store and my Brita pitcher, which is normally in the fridge, was empty. I had been drinking it all day and there was no cold water. So I was out and I grabbed a can of water. It <laughs> It's called Liquid Death Mountain Water and it's there to murder your thirst. What a great... Uh, motto so the liquid death people if you if you need a if you need a spokesperson and and uh and i would definitely drink this it was good it was it was not bad and their uh goal is to get rid of plastic bottles which is you know pretty noble and 10 percent of the proceeds when you buy it gets rid of the plastic bottles and to be honest with you most plastic bottled water tastes like the bottle and not water and uh that's why i drink the smart water but i would be willing to uh, switch it up for liquid death if it was as widely available as the smart water. So enough about that. Uh, they're not even an advertiser, at least not yet. Liquid death, give me a call. 
uh, <laughs> or send me an email. You, the number in the email will be at the end of the show. Um, anyway, uh, this week I have been obsessed with screenplays. I know I've mentioned in previous shows my love of the art of screenwriting, how I studied it in college all those years ago, literally two decades ago, almost three, I studied screenwriting. I still love the craft of screenwriting. And I really want to get back in the game. And I I could pursue a master's degree in screenwriting. But, you know, I've mentioned also before that that's sort of a lost cause because, you know, I'm, I'm going to be by the time I graduate over 50. And there's not a lot of uh, first time screenwriters out there that are uh, almost half a century old. So I, I figured that's a futile effort, but I do like the craft and I, and I want to dive into it a little bit. And, um, so I figured why not try to learn and hone it on my own. Thankfully, there's lots of books out there. Robert McKee has written a few good books. Uh, William Goldman, the writer of both Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and the Princess Bride. I didn't know that until last week. Um, they all they've written good books on screenwriting apparently so i've gotten those um gotten that's not even a real word uh why did i say gotten i've got those i bought those on amazon on my kindle they're a pretty good deal and uh, i've also found some good communities of like-minded uh screenwriting individuals so there's also podcasts and 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 all this stuff is really really good to sort of Wet your whistle. You could wet your whistle with liquid death or you could wet your whistle with podcasts. Um, but yeah, they're great for just kind of getting in the game and just sort of hearing the verbiage and being encouraged and learning about the art of screenwriting. So one of the questions that's asked all the time, you hear it in pretty much every interview of a screenwriter is what screenplays do you recommend people read? Because really, if you want to write well, you need to read a lot, like a lot. And for screenwriting, you need to read a lot of screenplays. You, you, reading prose is one thing, but screenplays are a specific type of writing. And you have to learn how to find that balance between simplicity and complex. And you have to know how to write a narrative, but also include stage direction and uh, location and Dialogue is also very, very important, obviously. Well, not, well, it's not as important as the other stuff. Dialogue is actually sort of the last thing you do. At least that's what I've, from my, what I've come to understand. But they always ask, you know, what screenplays would you recommend reading? And, you know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, they come up, that comes up a lot. People like that. And I've watched that movie once. It's a great flick. I've never read the script, but I was able to find it online. And I'm going to I'm going to dig in at some point. And uh, someone else mentioned Chinatown. A couple people have mentioned Chinatown as a screenplay. You must read Chinatown. If you don't know, is a movie from 1974. It was written by Robert Town, starring Jack Nicholson and directed by Roman Polanski. And this was before Roman Polanski was known uh, before he well, he was known. But he, uh, you know, he. It was before the controversy, before he did some pretty terrible things that he should face consequences for. But it was before that, so I've sort of like hedged my 
you know, qualms with reading a screenplay and watching a movie that he's involved in. But he wasn't involved in the writing of the screenplay. He directed the movie. Anyway, uh, one of my long dormant podcasts that I've sort of been in the process of relaunching, maybe a third season of, is called Mind the Gaps. And that's a podcast where I watch movies I've never seen before and I discuss them either on my own or with pot potential guests and uh, discuss their impact on the culture at large and how they may or may not have influenced the films that followed them. Because most of the movies I watch on, Find, on Mind the Gaps are movies that uh, are older. I don't watch a lot of newer movies. Uh, if you look at the list, actually the only, yeah, only movies that I've watched have been old. And uh, I like to think about how they might have influenced the culture and the movies that came after. And I think I mentioned that already. See, gaps reference the gaps in my pop culture IQ, and the movies are what fill those gaps. With Chinatown, you get the precursor of pretty much every modern detective story, literally. You see the cliches before they become cliches. There's a twist ending. The dialogue is super sharp, and I can only imagine how good the performances are. I haven't watched them and watched it yet, but I'm going to watch it and discuss it in a future episode of Mind the Gaps. So keep your eyes peeled for that soon, or should I say your ears open? Yeah. Anyway, I've been reading scripts, not just good ones, but bad ones. I, I read a good one for a Oscar now actually won the Oscar this year for best, I think best original screenplay. And I forget her name, Emerald Tannen, I think is her name. She wrote a book, uh, screenplay called Promising Young Woman. And uh, it a lot of the screenplays for the Oscar-nominated movies are available online for free. So you can get them, you can read them. And they kind of disappear soon after the Oscars. So if you're a screenwriting person and you want to read them, you got to get them quick. And so I was able to read Promising Young Woman and it's a pretty decent script. It's, it's, it, I don't know how the movie is. I, I don't know when I'll see the movie, but the, the script reads fast and, uh, it has another twist ending that I kind of dug. Um, didn't dig it all the way, but you know, it was, it was good. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a good screenplay. It's really well structured. I think it, you know, I haven't read all of them, but I think it's, it's a deserved win. And I'll look at the others and sort of uh, judge that based on uh, on after having more knowledge, I'll I'll make a better judgment. But it was a really good script, and that, it's a good script I've read recently. And um, I read the script of Chinatown, of course, which is just great. And I've also been reading really bad ones, and I don't mean bad by people that have made movies and have written movies that have been made. Um, I'm talking about my screenplays. <laughs> My old screenplays. The last script that I wrote was in 2002. That's almost 20 years ago. And I wrote that when I was unemployed. And I was home with my uh, son, who is now 19. So he was a baby, like a baby baby. And in between diaper changes and bottle feedings and... Uh, trying to sleep when he was asleep because that's really what you should do with babies. I was writing. I was writing a lot because I didn't have a job. I was uh, looking for a job, but I I was writing and I was really, really serious about it. And so in that time, I wrote a couple of novellas. I made some good 
uh, I keep doing that. I keep doing the uhs. I'm sorry. I did some. Uh, I, I got some good headway on a novel that I never finished, and I wrote a screenplay. And the screenplay is uh, it's I actually had an old file of it. I found it in a backup on a CD. A few years ago, I put it on Google Drive, so I did have it. I have an entire archive of old writing, and I read a little bit of it. And, and, you know, it's funny. It's a little dated because, you know, it's 19 years ago, and some of the technology has been updated a lot and things like that. But it's, you know, it's it's not great. It's, it's a good pass, a good first pass, I would say. And it's about feature length. It's about 75 pages, I think. I think 90 is the standard feature length. So it's almost a feature length screenplay that I wrote over a period of a couple of months. And I didn't really do anything with it. It just sat on my hard drive. I, I wasn't going to shop it around. I think one of the things that screenwriters should do, and I've heard this, is that they should have at least, you know, five or six completed scripts and before shopping around because, you know, they might like your writing style, but they might not be liking that movie. They might ask you, what else you got? And you could show them something else. So I, um, I, I was, I found it and I, I was going through it. And then I was in my attic yesterday looking for something completely unrelated. And I pulled out the first feature that I wrote way back in 1996. And oh boy, is it bad. I wrote it for class. I don't, I think I got a B on it. I, I, I think the grade is somewhere in the book. Let me look. I have the actual screenplay. I'm looking at it right now. I don't know if the grade is in this copy. I had two copies. I put one in a binding notebook. I don't have the grade, and I'm, but I'm pretty sure I have the graded copy in a folder somewhere. It's uh, I got a B. <laughs> so it's it's not a bad screenplay. It's a romantic comedy, and it's uh, it's bad. <laughs> it's 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 good college writing by a guy who was 19 years old and had no idea how life really worked. But I've been reading my own bad work because honestly, um, I have thought, you know, if I, what's uh, what better way to get that muscle back that's been atrophied for years than to go back and start to rewrite your old material. So that's what I'm doing. I, I sat down yesterday and pulled up the script I wrote 19 years ago and I pulled up Final Draft, which is the uh, standard screenwriting software that I bought a few years ago for a class and started writing. And I wrote, you know, just a, you know, first page, not, not a lot. I mean, it's a marathon, not a sprint. That's what writing really is. And it was like slipping on an old pair of shoes. And it was nice. So anyway, I, I don't see these being like movies I could make, at least not yet. Um, the movie from 96, uh, that first feature I could see breaking up into a web series. If people still do web series, a like YouTube kind of thing. But I see these gems of like diamonds, diamonds in them waiting to be dug out of the cave wall. So I, I'm just trying to rewrite them and modernize them, maybe get them to the point where I'm comfortable sharing with them, sharing them with you. Uh, but mostly it's just for fun. But the thing is, I like to write, but I often never know where to start. 
do I start with plot? Do I just write a sentence and build off of that with no plan whatsoever? You know, in that era of me writing a lot back in 2002, I was listening to the book On Writing by Stephen King, and he likened writing to a sculptor delicately finding the story in a block of granite using a chisel. And he said plotting everything out was like using a jackhammer. Now, I don't know that I agree with that. Honestly, if you look at the lion's share of King's work, you'll see that his no-plotting method has led to some really great lead-ups and some really crappy endings. Maybe a bit of plotting would help fix that issue. I don't know. Who am I to judge Stephen King's work? One of the screenwriters that I listened to when asked about his writing process was really quick to talk about getting to know your characters first. He, he writes with a partner, and he's written TV shows. He created the show 30-something. His name escapes me. It's Marshall something. And it's in the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast. To give them a shout-out. They won't hear this anyway. And he mentioned that he and his partner sit down, and they just talk before they even sit down to write anything. And they talk, and they get a feel for the people in their stories. Because if you get to know the characters – you'll know the stories because the stories are nothing without the people who live them. If you don't know the people living the story, why bother telling it? Because structure, you know, while that's important, it needs to come after you know who you are writing about and how they react and how they will react. There's a good read for you to the circumstances you put them in. Essentially, and I wrote this at the bottom of my notebook, character comes first. The rest comes later. And this completely revolutionized my thinking. What can frustrate someone is not knowing the entire story before they start, and they give up before they even get started. I have file after file and notebook after notebook with half-begun stories that I gave up on because I really didn't know what to do with them. I was like a dog chasing a car. What would I do with it when I caught it? Anyway. There was a brief time that I started to sketch characters out, write about them in a small situation in order to get a bead on who they were. And that felt great. I knew who they were, at least a little bit. I just never put them into the stories that I wanted them to inhabit, either due to boredom or fear or busyness or most likely laziness. And hopefully that will change. I don't really have a writing update this week. I did do some punching of the keys, but I spent the weekend away with my wife. And, you know, when you do that, you don't want to bring the laptop with you. You want to focus on each other. And that's what I did. And like I said, I did write that one, rewrite that one small part of a scene from that old screenplay. I love the craft of writing. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, I can't wait to share some of it with you someday. But what do you think about the writing process? Is plot a jackhammer or a chisel? Is it both? You can let me know by sending me an email at peaceloveandrobotspod at gmail.com or you can leave me a voicemail at 585-371-8986 when I hear from you I just might share it on the next episode. Just remember, 
Keep it clean. Four out of five dentists agree that peace-loving robots is an excellent way to promote good teeth health. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.